all morning, right? And everyone's here. Can you be alive? You can hear. You're alive. Praise God. It's good to be in the house. God's truth prevails. I found out that the Word of God always prevails. God's truth prevails. It is just always going to happen. Praise the Lord. Now we have sound. Now we have video. And we have live audience. Can't get any better than that. I mean, thank the Lord. I can remember uh, two and a half years ago staring into a camera with nobody in the room. And uh, we, we had church. And then I went home and watched myself on TV to have church. And, uh, yeah, it was quite interesting. Tidbit of humor this morning. Um, second grade. How many remember being in second grade? I can remember my second grade teacher. I can remember that she proclaimed I was going to be a car salesman. And uh, uh, that was because I knew exactly what kind of car she was driving. It was, uh, you know, a 1958 Chevrolet. And it was a beautiful little car. Uh, it wasn't very little. It was rather large. But uh, the second grader, he's, he's, he, the second grader comes uh, after the game. He had a flag football game. You know flag football is important to win. Flag football. Second grade, you've got to win that game. You've got to win that game. And this second grader won the game. Second grade, he won the game. It was victorious. I mean, it was just he had a great, great game. His team was all excited. They won the game. And after the game, he's talking to his dad. And he says, Dad, if the NFL drafts me, do I have to go? <laughs> yes. And his dad said, no, son, you don't have to go. You have a choice if the NFL drafts you. But at uh, second grade level, I... They, they might have a scout on you, but I don't think they're going to draft you at that age. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 29. The truth of the matter is, is that every child wants to succeed in life. And more often than not, since we put such an emphasis on sports, they want to excel and be victorious in every game they play. But it's very important that we learn the techniques of how to get through failure in losing a game. Yes. Yes. Anger for days after the game is absolutely ridiculous. Enough said. Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Paul is just giving the farewell message to the Ephesian elders. And he's continuing in that process. In verse 29 says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare. They will not spare the flock. Savage wolves will come in among you and they will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years... I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Paul is saying, I have given you my heart. And there's a distorted truth that's about to happen. I'm believing we've had a great revival in Ephesus. We've had great numbers of people saved. People filled the Holy Ghost. We have had a wonderful opportunity to build the kingdom of God here. This church is going forward. 
But let me tell you something. There's some among you that will distort the truth. They will take an element of the truth and distort it. Now, the word of God is, is a confirmation. The word of God confirms itself time and time again. You read the Old Testament, it prophetic words saying what's going to happen in the new. And guess what? To the very moment, to the very hour, to the very minute, to the very second, God, from prophetic word, brings it into existence into the New Testament as perfect. God's word is infallible. That's the, where we have to stand. We cannot go any further than that. Interpretation of God's word now can vary. But God's word is perfect. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to comprehend the word because the Holy Spirit is the one who helped the prophets of old write the word. And so we as Assemblies of God people, being Pentecostal or charismatic, we believe in the Spirit of God and we pray in a Spirit of God. We pray in tongues. It's a, it's a language that God gives each individual who's sincere before him and wants to speak in tongues. God fills them with a language they've not learned before. And it's exciting to know that God is in this. Now, how do people get distorted truth? The carnal flesh, we're all born with it. The carnal flesh will rise up and cause a pride element to happen in the heart of any believer. And if, if that believer allows the accolades that are put on him, if he allows them to go to his mind and lets that run rampant, he's, he's ready for error. He's going to cause error. Some of you in this room have shared with me how that pastors have, have prophesied over people that you're going to marry this person and that person, and the whole church is a mess. God has a prophetic word for all of us. Read the word, seek his face. Let the word guide you. Let the word be your source. Distorted truth can happen from anyone. That's why we believe in the fellowship of the assemblies of God. We're a not a denomination. We are a fellowship of believers. Our churches are sovereign. Our churches are a cooperative fellowship with headquarters, if you would. We work together and let the Holy Spirit guide us and direct us. There's a number among you who will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples so that they will have their own kingdom. When people begin to get the funds mingled with their personal funds, there's a problem. And so you has to be a, accountability on the funds. There has to be accountability on who is in charge of what. Remembering for three years, I have warned you that there are going to be people that is going to rise up, that's going to try to distract and move away from the very thing that I'm teaching you. And the very thing that has been taught you for three solid years, you've got to hold on to the truth. You've got to hold on to the truth. And distorted truth is a truth element with somebody changing the meaning of it to where not, we're not worshiping God any longer. We're worshiping the leader. We're following the leader rather than God. And God wants us to have our total attention on him.
in Paul's warning, he said, these guys are going to come out like wolves. We're to be as wise as serpents, the body of Christ. We are to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. We're to be sweet-natured. But we have to have the wisdom of God. And we're living in a world right now that has distorted truth. Distorted truth. Jonathan did a good job last week sharing about the distorted truth that's out there in the world. And we must be a defender of the faith. We must defend the faith. Never in the history of America have we been at this point to where we have to defend the faith. There are people that are being arrested because they won't sell cakes to somebody. We're, we're living in a time whenever the world is hostile towards the things of God. We're living in the time when the body of Christ must rise up and continue to declare we will serve the Lord no matter what is going on out in the world, no matter what the world says about us, we're going to let the word of God empower us to be his disciples. We're going to allow the word of God to empower us not to be overcome by the things of this world. And so there's savage wolves out there even to this day. You see, Paul's declaration here is so important for us today. Things haven't changed a whole lot. When you go into Corinthians, you see uh, a whole array of what's going on in Corinth. And it's very much similar to America today. Sin hasn't changed, and neither is God. He has a judgment for sin, and he has a blessing for those who say no to sin. Hallelujah. I want to be on the blessed side. Amen. I want to be on the blessed side. He has a blessing for those who say, no, I will not yield to sin. Verse 32, it says, now, Paul saying, now that I've given you this warning for three years in tears. I mean, with broken heart, because I don't want you to be overcome by the evils of this world and distorted truth. Then he goes on to say, now I commit you to God. Now I commit you to God. And to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now I commit you to God. A fundamental truth. The fundamental truth is, is that he's committing his church, the church, the Lord's church, to the fundamental truth. I'm committing you to God. I've warned you about the savage rules that's going to try to distract you from the message I've given you. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, look to the Word of God. The grace that God's Word is full. God's Word is full of grace. And I want you to see that, the Word of God, the grace of God that's in the Word. Don't ever forget the Word. Because the Word is going to build you up. The Word is going to build you up. The Word is going to make you taller. Because it builds you up. The lack of word in our life. The load and the pain. And the load of this world. And what's going on in Kosovo. What's going on in China. What's going on in Japan. And what's going on across the street. And what's going on in our streets just pushes us down because the weight is more than a human mind can comprehend. But when we put the word of God deep into our heart, we begin to realize that we have a God 
who is bigger than all the things of this world. He is God Almighty. He's over everything. And He's the one who strengthens us. He's the one who empowers us to carry the gospel message to the ends of the world. And Paul's saying, I, I want, to, want you to understand what I've been teaching you is building you up. The Word of God is building you up. And what's it doing? It's giving you an inheritance. It's giving you heaven to look forward to. Eternity. Eternity. This is just a proving ground. We're practicing for eternity. Some people say, no, we're not practicing. We're living it. We are. Eternity's already begun. Eternity's already begun. How are you doing? Say, Pastor, I haven't died yet. Then kill the carnal flesh. And let the Spirit of God rise up and begin to realize you're living in eternity in the sense that as you worship God now, you're building presence in eternity. As you worship God now, you're building the kingdom of God. As you share your faith with someone else, you're building the kingdom of God. I had a very unusual thing happen to me. How many of you know that if you drive a small car, a tiny car, how many of you have seen those, what they call it, they call them smart cars? You know, they're just, I mean, they're, they're a seat with, with sheet metal wrapped around them. How many of you know that if you drive a smart car and you're ever in an accident, you'll be the first one there? <laughs> Think about it. You will be the first one. Whether you cause it or not, you'll be the first one there. So love some of you want to be first. Buy one of those smart cars. You can be first. First one there. I'm putting out the flags for the car show. The, the, the uh, out of design. The string flags. Out of design. And this little car stops on banister. I, I my heart going because you just don't stop where she stopped. And she hollered, Can I can I help you? Sure, come on. Hurry, hurry. Just drive up around the field, come back in right here. Don't need help. No, but I wanted to get her off the highway. I didn't want to get killed. She pulled in there and she started helping me put these flags out. We got done. She said, well, I don't know if I was very much help or not. She's one of our patriots that comes to our garage sale every year. And when I see this lady out on the street through the years, she said, I'm looking forward to the garage sale. Looking forward to your garage sale. I love your garage sale. She came. She helped put the flags up. We're done. Told me, she said, I just retired. I'm looking for a job. Told me what she wanted. She said, but I, I they, they don't seem to, the person that I'm trying to get involved with, they, they don't seem like they want me. I said, let's pray. So I prayed right out there, right out there in the field before God and all the traffic driving. I, we just prayed, God, bless this woman. Give her the desires of her heart. Lord, may the grace of God and may the favor of God and, and the love of God just flow to her in this situation. Amen. She jumped in her car. I threw my hammer in the car. She drove out. I drove out. I get a thank you letter in the mail. She said, Pastor. Now granted, she attends another church in town. And they're not of our faith. She said, Pastor, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for encouraging me. Because the job that I had in mind that I desired, God gave me. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes. Have you been looking for a job? Are you wanting a different job? God can provide for you. God provided for her. And I think about that, how that the simple things of life put two people that love God out, on, out in the field to agree that God would work in a situation. Paul was telling the Ephesians, keep on doing the things of God. It's going to work for you. It's going to happen for you. You're going to, you're going to see the blessings of God flow mightily because the Word of God gives you inheritance. It's an inheritance. Um, and, and among those who are sanctified, that word sanctified, of course, everyone knows it means to set apart, to set apart. But this particular interpretation is not just to set apart. It is the continuing to being set apart that you will have eternity to look forward. It would be an awesome heaven to be a part of that. What a grateful thing it is to give God praise. To give God glory. You see, the fundamental truth is, is that God cares for you. He knows what you have need of. And he tells us in the word. He says, Paul says, now I commit you to God. Paul is telling that to the Ephesian church. But he's telling it to you today. I commit your situation to the kingdom of God. I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold, or clothing. You see, the difference between distorted truth is people who are having distorted truth, they covet everyone else's silver, they covet their everyone else's gold, and they covet everyone else's clothing. <clears throat> you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must keep the weak remembered. We must help the weak Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus' words, it's red letter here, Jesus' words. We don't find them in the Gospels, but it says the books cannot contain all the things that Jesus said. And so I have to declare that Jesus said this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him, which was a custom and a culture of that day. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Paul has declared it for three years. He's done everything he can do. He's committed him to the Lord. The fundamental truths were poured into their hearts. Now it was their duty to carry on. Chapter 21. After we had, had uh, torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. Then the next day we went to Rhodes, and from there, Patriot, and, and from there we shipped, crossed over to Phoenicia, and went down the border and set sail, and after uh, sighting Cyprus and passing the south uh, of it, we, we sailed to Syria. Why do you keep on reading all those names, Pastor, all those locations? Because those are places he touched people's lives. And, and he was continuing to touch people's lives. We landed Tyra, and our ship was unloaded for cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed there uh, for seven days. It took seven days to unload. So it's a big ship. 
unloading the cargo, and he spent time with his disciples. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul, don't go, don't go, don't go. But when our time was up, we left and continued our way. All the disciples and their wives and the children accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye uh, to each one, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued on a voyage from Tyra. He had touched people's lives. He spent time with them. They prayed for him. He prayed for them, and he moved on. They went to Tyra. They landed at Postmay. There they, they greeted the brothers and stayed there for days. Leaving the next day, they reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven who had an unmarried four unmarried daughters who prophesied. He just continued to go to house to house, go to place to place, where the body of Christ had been rose up and they come to know Christ. And he was encouraging them, even though he wasn't possibly going to be able to see them again, he was reaching out to them and encouraging them in their faith. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Agabus picks up Paul's belt and he, Agabus ties it up. He says, this is what's going to happen to Paul. Paul, they're, they're, they're going to bind you up. When you get to Jerusalem, you're going to get caught. And because you have, have declared the truth, because you have been a servant of God, you've aggravated them to the point where they want to do away with you. And, and they are going to bind you up. In that way, the Jews will bind him. Coming over to us, Paul took his belt. Took Paul's belt and, and wrapped around him. When we heard this, and the people were pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Why are you so upset? I've got a mission to do. I've got to preach the gospel. God has put this on my heart. I've got to keep on going on. Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but I'm also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he, had, when he would not be dismayed, we gave up. And he said, when he would not be dismayed, Dissuaded, dissuaded. When he would not be dissuaded, he, he couldn't persuade him. You could not persuade him any other way. He was. The folks gave up. Paul, we've tried to persuade you to go a different way. Paul, Paul. And he said, no. I've got a mission to do. God has called me. I've got to continue on. I've got to continue on. And they finally said, the Lord's will be done. That is a hard statement to say. But there comes a time when you've got to declare the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. After this, we got up and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the house of Manasseh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus, one of the early disciples. Paul traveled and 
went to those who were deep in the faith for many years and those who had just gotten saved. He did everything he could do. And people began to realize that we wanted to hold on to Paul. We wanted to keep what we had. But Paul said, no, I've got to carry on to touch the base with those who are still yet to be touched. Those have been touched with the gospel. I need to encourage them. I need to lift them up. And to know that there's a prophetic word that is coming that's saying you will be bound up. Remember what I said early on? The prophetic word of the Old Testament is built throughout the New. And it's always perfect. Personal prophecy can only be personal prophecy from an individual giving you personal prophecy. It can only be if God has spoken to you through the word first. It's very important because carnal flesh can get involved in the spiritual realm. And so personal prophecy comes as a prophetic utterance of confirmation of what's going to happen. Now, personal prophecy is very personal and it's very special and it's, it is still a very uh, important thing to be stated. But it must be declared to your heart through the word of God. I'll never forget. God called me to ministry before I totally knew Jesus. Now that's a strange one. But I knew that God had called me. I didn't want to be called. I didn't want to be a minister. Raised for 13 years, knowing about God, knowing about Bible stories, not knowing I needed Jesus. And before I came to know Jesus, about four days before I came to the surrendering my heart to Jesus, Take it back. It was a week. I'd had a decision where the decision paper was put in front of me. Do you feel called in the ministry? And I checked yes. A week later, I got saved. Truly saved. Asking Jesus to come into my heart. Because I didn't know I was supposed to. And then it all started coming together. And man, I would go to church, I'd read the Bible, but I didn't want to be a minister. But God had a different plan. And so personal prophecies happened throughout the scriptures. Nathan was brought before David, confirming word from God. Israel predicted Hezekiah's death. Agabus tells Paul he's going to face troubles in Jerusalem. Personal prophecy gives us an added bonus to God's word and God speaking to us personally first. It's so important that we understand that an individual who says, God's telling me to tell you this, it's okay for you to write it down, it's okay for you to pray over it, but that's what you're to do. God told me that you need to buy a new Cadillac and give it to the preacher. Uh, there's a problem there, folks. 
There's a problem there. Just know that God loves you and he cares for you. And sometimes people are well-meaning. I mean, they are well-meaning. They want the best. But just write it down. Don't act on that personal prophecy. Just write it down and let the Holy Spirit say, give you the understanding. Because that is what we're to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is that you? God, show me in the days ahead and let you be glorified. When we just trust God, he has a way of making all things work out. Amen? When we trust God, see, that when we trust God, all things work together for good. Those love God and call it to his purpose. All things work together for good. So God's truth prevails. We don't have to manipulate God. We don't have to manipulate people. We don't have to be hastily running after a pipe dream. But we can simply wait on the Lord. Hezekiah prophesied on him that he was going to die. He turns his head to the wall and says, Oh God, I don't I want to live. And God allowed him to live. But it was a difficult time for him. Very difficult. So it's important that we seek God and say, God, your will be done in my life. God, your will be done in my life. For God, you're an awesome God. And you will provide. And your will will be done in my life because I'm declaring it. I want your will in my life. Will you stand with me today? Will you stand with me today and just say, God, I want your will to be accomplished in my life. Lord Jesus. Your will be done in our lives. As Paul poured his heart out to these people, as Agabus stood before him and tied up with his arms saying, Paul, this is what's going to happen to this person who owns this belt. That's you, Paul. You own this belt and my arms are tied. My feet are tied. That's what's going to happen to you. God, you confirmed it to Paul's life and heart that when it happened later on that you spoke it. And Lord, I thank you that you know all things. And Lord, we ask for your will to be accomplished in our lives. Lord Jesus, our days on this earth are ordained by you. Father God, your word says our days are ordained. We don't control our birth, nor do we control our death. But Holy Spirit, you can control everything else in between because we yield to you. Father God, we yield to you and ask you, Lord, to give us wisdom from on high. To give us an understanding of your word. And give us an understanding of the times that we're living in. For Lord, we must defend the faith as best we can. For the glory of God in a dark world where the light of the gospel is shining forth. We have the great opportunity to continue to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for the privilege May we always 
love people the way you want us to love them. For God, it's in knowing you and loving people that hope is revealed. And may we experience that hope, but share that hope with a community that needs Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for doing it in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we also pray for those that are watching, God, that you would strengthen them. Lord, at home, bring healing to their bodies. Bring strength to their spirit. And may the joy of the Lord empower them through the word. God, help them to spend a little bit of time in the word and let it soak deep into their spirit that they can be built up through the precious word of God, knowing they're laying up rewards in heaven, that their inheritance is going to be awesome. Lord Jesus, thank you for blessing those that are home. And Lord, thank you for those who have been faithful in giving, rather in offering here at the church house or online, God, in the mail. We thank you, Lord, for those who have been faithful to give. Bless them and multiply back to them for your glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We're going to continue our altar service. The altars are open and, and to be anointed with oil. That's